Hello dear listener, you are about to join a discussion between four young men on highly sensitive and complex social issues. This episode was inspired by the global response to the death of George Floyd and the crucial message that black lives matter. What will follow is not a scripted, highly researched expert analysis on topics such as racial inequity, systemic slash structural racism, police brutality, black history, and political reform. A link to access resources that we used and will continue to use to broaden our horizons and understanding of such subjects will be the only thing in the description of this episode. We urge you to click that link and learn more. Thank you. Take it away, Aaron. Uh, welcome to the Not Even Serious podcast. This is the first installment of probably not another one, but you know, Next one who knows? I don't, I don't know if we're going to do another one. Yeah, we'll, see, we'll see how this goes. And, and we know. Anyway, we're just four friends and we decided of one night just to start a podcast and just say fuck it. Just talk about random stuff. We're white. So uh, just put that in there. Privilege. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Steve. Yeah, <laughs> Steve. Oh Will you tell us a little Steve. bit about yourself, yeah. Steve? T- tell the internet a bit about Steve. I'm a dick. Bit of a controversial one, but they deep, deep, deep down inside, I'm a nice guy. Very, very acts, deep. Acts of kindness include giving me laxatives. <laughs> um, it was to clean his bowels, but we won't get into that. It's a story for another time. It is a story for another time. <laughs> that was a good day. <sighs> it was a good day, according to him. Uh, my name's Thano, and I'm going to be the one who makes all the cringy jokes. He's not funny. I'm not funny. I'm, I'm really not. But I try my best. Yeah, I'm Harry. I'm just pretty normal, to be honest. Just happy to be here. He's got shit facial hair, so we really need to know. Yeah, yeah, well... In 10 years, when we listen to this back, you'll remember the facial hair. <sighs> not that we, have actually, a, yeah. we, we don't have a problem with gingers, but it's ginger. It's bad. Well, I'm Aaron, and I guess the only thing you really need to know about me is I've got serious daddy issues. Got the bends. Yes, I do. <laughs> and on that note, um, we decided to. Well, before we start, can I just say, you know, Happy Pride Month. Wanna put it out there? Right. It does, yeah. And uh, the other day, I just learned that there's there's two new letters to the LGBTQ community, which is the I and the A, right? Yeah. What's that stand for? See, there we go. Didn't know. Still don't know, but we're gonna learn about it, and we might talk no, about it. I told you. I forgot, mate. Did you just bring that up without knowing what it is? He told me, but I forgot. I is intersex. Intersex. So I, I'm guessing they're in transition. Oh. And A is asexual. This is not a thing. Can we like get over this, please? Wait, like, I and A. Yeah. So LGBTQIA. So what? What do four normal lads who, who want to just talk with each other about serious things and decide to start with Black Lives Matter and um, we picked that really strange day to start this because it's June 19th Juneteenth as they say in the States June 19th Steve because you asked me about it and I found out today is the day that the last um, slave state was um, taken over by the Union back in 1865. June 19th, one of the generals of the Union, his name was General Granger, 
he issued a decree stating that all enslaved peoples are now free. And um, the black community in America sort of took this day and now uh, it, it has special meaning to them and they celebrate, they celebrate that today. That's nice. Yes, but, but is this recent? No, like it's not an actual public holiday. It's not a public holiday. It's no. not an official public People holiday. People want it to be. They want it. Has this has this like been like in the past as well? Is it just because of this movement and now they've decided to do this? I think this movement shines a sh shone a much brighter light on it because this is the first time I've heard of it. But I don't think it's a new thing. I don't think it's an issue, and if it was a new thing, like it makes sense. Yeah. So we're going to start with Black Lives Matter. My first experience with Black Lives Matter was back in 2014 with the Ferguson riots, if anybody remembers that. Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013. YouTube didn't say that. When did YouTube say Because I went on their website. I don't know, I didn't know they had the website. I just went on YouTube, Black Lives Matter. What did you find? Um, what's his name? The guy in you. America, the really good one. The guy in America. The YouTuber in New York. Casey Neistat. Thank you. Watched, watched Casey Neistat. He didn't say anything about that. Have you guys seen the... You went to a, a white guy <laughs> to learn about Black Lives Matter. I've seen it. It was, it was proper good. Okay. Proper. Anyway, yeah. Uh, there were there were some riots six years ago. When some eight, when uh, an 18 year old Michael Brown was shot six times by an officer and that officer was later acquitted and that caused the entire Ferguson city to just be engulfed with riots. That was the first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter and recently the movement has seen a much, much more potent public discussion due to George Floyd. Have you guys seen the video? Yeah. I haven't actually seen it. So I think I've watched it. It's disgusting. Yeah, I watched it. I haven't seen yeah, it. I don't think I can. Before we get into George Floyd, can we talk about the initial beginning of Black Lives Matter and uh, what it means and the protests, please? Because I'd like to get the full intel on this. Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to another incident involving not a policeman, there was a man called George Zimmerman who killed. I've heard of you, I've heard of yeah, he killed a 17-year-old boy called Trayvon Martin. The kid with the pistol. No, That's he was one. 12. He was 12. The Jesus BB gun one. He was 12. That one was bad. This one, this guy. Um, when he was acquitted of straight-up murder, um, there were again protests, and three people um, organized some of these protests, and the movement sort of became Black Lives Matter. And they say that they class themselves as a global organization whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. That's taken directly from their website. Right. Sounds good. Makes sense. And, and this was founded when 2014, you said? 2013. And how much, how, how, in the time they started, this Black Lives Matter, how, how much do you think they've come along until now? 
before the George Floyd. I mean, I think it's a massive difference from when they started to now because you didn't have corporations and big companies like putting it all over social media and saying Black Lives Matter before. Yeah, now, but like now everyone's saying it. Yeah, that's because George Floyd. That's because this video emerged and that's what put light on the subject. That's because before that, I never even heard of a Black Lives Movement corporation website or anything. We asked. So, so is it maybe maybe like you know, maybe it's something to say about how information should be shared. You know, because maybe it wasn't put out there as much as it should have been, but there, but it had to come to this point for the Black Lives Movement to to actually get some light shone on it, which is uh, a bit sad. I don't know. I don't think it's anything to do with. Uh like how information is shared, it's just the incident that happened now with George, George Floyd was so like obviously like murder and like there's no way to like dispute it. Like I think that's the difference. I don't know, I don't know because when, when Black Lives Matter started, you, I, I would, because I like following American politics I'd heard of Black Lives Matter, but um, and it was pretty big in America. But the problem is that it, it got big for a bit and then it died down, and then it, and then there would be new incidents. Do you think it's going to be the same with this case? That this is going to die down again, or do you think it's going to be an actual change? I feel like there's going to be change, but it will die down at some point. Everything happens in phases. Like, I don't think it'll go back to being as bad as it was, but it's not going to be as it is now. Someone, people are going to forget about it slowly, slowly. No one can keep up the riots and the protests for this long. I think people have even, lives and they need to go back to them. Even the backlash that that happened will probably be like a, like a trigger for police to be careful. Even the racist ones, even the ones that would, would have done something. Maybe in the back of the minds now, they'll be like, oh, someone might be filming. I'm not as like, you know, immune to like... Uh, criticism or whatever. I'm glad you put that. I mean, you say that because I've seen some videos now of the riots and some cops just don't give a shit. Yeah. And they don't even they don't even go for, say, black people or women or men. They just go for, for example, I saw a video of this policeman pushing a 70-year-old white person to the ground. You can clearly see his head is bleeding and they just walk over him. And then later that day, they released a statement that said he tripped. Uh, I'm glad you went into this because... Um... I was thinking about it earlier. I think, do you think that it's the cops are racist or they're just not trained right? I think it's both. Because there's clear racism. Like, there they are more incidents of, like, black unarmed people being uh, targeted, I guess. But there's also, like, clear fundamental there's, problems in the way they were trained. There's, like, a stereotype behind black people and that's what we need to get rid of. Yeah. But... I feel like this, it's got a lot more to do with training because this white guy that you were talking about, I saw the video, and that's got nothing to do with racism, protest or anything. It's just some dickhead cop. Abusing his power. Taking advantage of that power he's got. I don't think it's... I don't think that man is necessarily bad in any sense. I think he was definitely scared. And he didn't know how to handle himself in the situation. And cops should be able to handle themselves during protests and and riots and stuff because it's their job. And I don't think they yeah. know how. Like they see people being violent. And I feel like the first sense, the first instinct is fight back rather than I, try 
create I peace. I think that's an American thing. Fight violence with violence. I don't think so. I think it happens in the UK and other places. Just it's not it's not just about being violent. Like it's not they just see violence and they act. If you disagree with them or you like don't obey their like first command or something like when they tell you like the simplest thing and you just say well why have you pulled me over and then they get angry because you've asked them why you've been pulled over and it escalates from there. Yeah, but how many instances do they have this issue? Like, I'm, I'm, if you get pulled over, like, the first thing you should do is cooperate. You know the police officer is going to tell you why you're being pulled over. It's their job to, but do this thing where everyone knows the law really pisses me off. The police officer pulls you over and says, license and registration, you just give it over. I don't understand why people have to question everything they say. I wouldn't question. If they come and ask for my license, I'll give it to them and then they'll tell me why they pulled me over. Like, I don't think they sh I should turn around and be like, it's part of the law that I need to know and everything. Like, yeah, you're being a bit of a right. dick at it's, some point. You're definitely right. They do do that too much, especially in America. They're like, oh, I know my rights. I don't have to do this and that and whatever. But still, even with that, even knowing that people could cooperate more, it, they still are out of bounds a lot of the time. That they, I mean, like, even if you do give them your license or registration, and then after they're like, oh, get out of the car, and then after that, oh, like, put your hands behind your back, and you're like, okay, but why? And you do have the right to know that. And they don't tell you, they're just like, oh, now you're, I'm, I'm arresting you for resi resisting arrest. And you're like, yes, but what was I, like, arrested for in the first place? And they're like, resisting arrest. Yes, but why was I resisting arrest? What were you arresting me in the first place? And there's never, like, that initial, like, why. And I think black people, they, they, look at, they look at police differently. We can't really relate to how they feel when they see themselves, when they see a policeman that's telling them to pull over. They, they definitely feel more threatened than we do. I think and I saw, I saw, I'm sorry to cut you there, I saw a video, it was a Facebook Live that was re-uploaded many, many times. I think it was 2017 where, and this was just another instance of some cop being a complete dickhead, but the problem is that you don't see this type of shit happen to white people. And it was, this man was pulled over and his significant other was in the front seat recording, uh, recording the situation on Facebook Live. And I think it was one of the states where they're allowed to carry guns. And uh, I'm happy you brought that up. I think that's one of the reasons why police are so defensive. They don't know who carries a gun or when or where it is or anything. They never know if someone's going to pull it out at them. I feel like that's a big, that plays a big part in why they're so, they want to dominate the situation to make sure that no one pulls a gun on them. So they pull it out first. So they'll pull it out first to like, <laughs> like show their authority but like in the case of George Floyd <clears throat> there was no need absolutely no need like you can't justify that one there's no rational I saw three seconds of the clip when it first came out and I was like I can't watch this because I saw a very similar one a few years back I was like I can't watch this and then the next day you know you see the eruption and I was like there are too many cases where police brutality, and the reason it's, there is such a focus on police brutality is because all the cases that have happened have been 
there are no excuses for them. No, clearly not. And the thing is, though, like the fact that people carry guns is a reason for maybe the cops to be like more aggressive or maybe like more th- feel more threatening. But the cases where like black people have been killed by police, like it's usually like resoundingly they're all unarmed. They're all like already on the floor. They're already like in the cops' like hands. Like um, I forgot the name of the one that was just choked. Eric Garner. Eric yeah, Garner. He was just Garner. like they, six years ago. Three cop. Yes, he was a big guy, but three cops are just literally like all over him. And at one point, they just like he jumps on his back and like throws him to the ground, and he's choking him. Like at that point, why? Why are you? He's unarmed. You know he's unarmed. Like there's no reason to be that aggressive. Yeah, and and in this in this case of this woman on Facebook Live, the driver who who had been pulled over and was questioned by the police officer told him, "Officer, I have a firearm in my glove box. I am legally allowed to have a firearm in my glove box." But that cop, as soon as he heard fire firearm, he pulled out his own gun, started shouting at the family to get out of the car, and. You know, in that instance, obviously it's easy to say, follow the instructions and get out. But the family was scared and they were like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And as soon as they didn't immediately reach for the door handle, he started firing. The thing is, even if they did reach for the door handle straight away, in his mind, he would have shot them anyway because he's like, I don't know where that hand is going. Isn't that part of the training issue? Like, we've all been trained and we know like how quick you can react to something, but not i don't think they've been trained well enough to be able to handle the situations or actually handle themselves around the gun yeah as a police officer there's definitely i think it is is first thing that you're told is never have your finger on the trigger when you start out learning how to hold a gun or a rifle whatever you're holding you can clearly see a police officer. First thing they do is their hand is squeezing the yeah, trigger. So even if they don't yeah, want to shoot, they're going to shoot. They're trigger happy like that. Like they're waiting for like any opportunity they can get to just pull out their gun and just, you know, just feed off the the fear that they can just abuse because they've got they've got power. They feel like they've got power, and I, I mean, it's just it's really hard to because it just really fucking pisses me off sometimes how just people can just abuse that power. I don't even think it's that they want to shoot people. I think they just get scared. I don't think anyone in this world wants to kill someone else. Like, you have to be sick in the head to do that. I don't well, think the police officers want to do that. You'd think uh, that, mate. You'd think that. No, I get there's like racist that, people like out there, but killing someone, it's, it's more than a race thing. I think there's something, like, sick in your head to want to kill someone that's got nothing to do with race or anything. Like, people can be racist, but killing them is a whole separate theory like field like, there's a lot of racist people out there but then they wouldn't shoot a gun because the guy is okay, black yes. or muslim or whatever the other person you say is. that but george floyd died because someone knelt on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds for eight minutes and 46 seconds he was on his neck his knee was on his neck and the, and george floyd was telling him i can't breathe he was, he was crying for his mother. He wouldn't have done that to a white guy. He was crying to his mother. And, okay, in my mind, okay, I've never shot a person before, but I think it will be even harder to kill someone with your bare hands or, or just choking them or asphyxiating them rather than just pulling a trigger. You think he believed him, though? 
Literally. George Floyd. Jenna, uh, police officer. Even, right. even if you didn't believe him, it's not your job to put your neck, your knee on oh, someone's yeah, neck. Yeah, definitely. It's not like you're a dickhead. But and I, I think you're right. Did this guy want to kill someone that day he went out to work? Like he had so many different instances where he was, uh, I can't remember the exact number of complaints. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was in double digits, wasn't it? Definitely. And like out of 13 or 15 complaints, only two he had been suspended for. But the rest, it was just like, no worries, no problems. The thing is, even if... Uh, it's a problem that that guy still had a job. It's like, you're right about the training and also like, these people should never be given a badge or this amount of power in the I first place. I feel like a lot of things aligned on that day for this to become a, th- like a turning point. Because I'm sure, I'm sure it happens all the time, but yeah. no one's recording, or someone doesn't die, or just something else will happen where everything ends up being not as bad as the George Floyd situation, and people will forget it. I think so many things aligned on that one day for this change to begin, and this movement to start. Yeah, so what? So what do you do? Because like. Uh Obviously, a lot of people are just like saying defund the police. Like that's a massive uh, thing about Black Lives Matter. They're like, oh, we have to defund the police. But, but I think most of them. anarchy. You can't. Yeah, you need the yeah, police. No, well, the thing the is, like, I maybe see... fund them more. Like, I'd go for fund them more to get the appropriate training, to get people willing to go in there and learn and to be trained appropriately. Maybe the people training them in the academies change them up. Bringing a newer generation who's more, who's more open-minded is not so racist in a sense. As I think, I feel like as we go on generation to generation, people are they're becoming smarter and they're learning that oh, he's black, big deal. He's a person, aren't we all? I mean, you, you say that, but but I read a book that Sarah recommended. It's called Blink, and in it, it was a black author. And in it, it, there was a chapter where where you could do this online test to see how racist you were. And he took the test. And the result was that he, a black man, came out as mildly racist. He was racist to himself. He was racist to himself. How much can you trust an online survey? It was a psychological... psychology. There was an example in the book where it was... It gave certain words, keywords, and also... So the test goes, you read these words and in your head, you put them in two categories. So the two categories, for example, brief example, male and female, right? I'm going to give you words, okay? I'm going to say the word and you're going to say what category it goes into. I don't feel like, the way you explain it, I feel like then everyone's racist. Everyone is racist in a sense, but, but that's it makes what, sense that's, though. That's what I'm trying. You can't say it makes sense. Racism is 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 really is is an outdated idea. No, I don't mean as in race. It makes sense for everyone to be racist. I mean it makes sense for you to feel more uh, like we're Cypriot, right? Yeah. I'm more comfortable around Cypriots because I can, I understand their upbringing and everything because I was raised the same way. I understand their values because it's the same as mine. Yeah, but racism so is, is much more than that because you're putting your values above theirs. Yeah, and you're discriminating. Mm. And uh, it's not... The, the, what, the, what that test wanted to show is not that, um, you know, 
we're all racist and therefore we are all bad. It, all, it only wanted to highlight how society, Depicts. going back to when you know, colonialism slavery started, has been you know, filtering and, and putting things in our head that make us see things differently. You're emotionally intelligent enough to be like, I feel more comfortable around my people because of X, Y, Z, but you're not going to look at somebody who looks differently than you do and, and you know, discriminate against them because you don't know them and they're a stranger to you. And you would do that to a stranger who's white, black, brown. You're not like everyone else though. And that's because society sort of programs us that way. I think. So you're and this is this is why this is another you know key thing about Black Lives Matter, systemic racism. They they like systemic racism how institutions have in them in their uh, laws embedded racist measures. Yeah, but like in the you... police. This is why they want to defund the police in a way. How can you eradicate that? Well, here's Education. This, like going back to defunding police. Like I think there's levels to it because. Yeah, I think cops should be paid more, but they should also be like extremely harder as a job to get. Like the training needs to be way better. But also, like I've seen that just the NYPD's police budget, like the budget for the NYPD is six billion. That makes it the thirty-third like most like um funded. most funded like militarized uh, uh group in the in the world. Like, how is that possible? Like, yeah, you, like, you want to, like, pay more the wages, but they, they shouldn't be as militarised as they are. They don't need to spend six billion on the, on the police just for one city. That, like, that means you've got a bunch of crap that you definitely don't need and shouldn't even have to use in so many situations. I feel like that goes down to a different subject, though. That's, like, the economics and how everything is... Every, you're yeah. always going to waste money on something in the public sector no, yeah, yeah, but because yeah, people if, if you over militarize the police then they've got more things to use to abuse their power yeah but did you know that the equipment that they had for the rights now the police that equipment right the heavy duty equipment was bought so that the nypd any any police department could use to fight against terrorists that equipment was used to be to to, to fight terrorists and against terror people. and using it against their own people who, who are protesting and it's their right to protest it's the right to protest but i feel like uh, we're going into a different subject now but i think we need to get into it i don't think it's a different subject it's the way they're protesting we all agree that they should protest but i feel like the looting the rioting yeah, but the looting and the rioting has got nothing to do with the protests but they, it's all, it's they almost two different types of people. It is two different types of people. There's a bunch of people trying to exploit the situation and benefit from it. And there's a load of other people who want change. Like, I feel like this is a, a part of the problem. But you can't protest. Like, another issue is you can't protest peacefully because it's just not working. It's been six years. Seven, even. There's no change. But then how do you not protest peacefully but also not riot and cause damage to innocent people and innocent, innocent people's lives who are just there they have a shop barely making it through now with covid 19 and everything and then they wake up one morning and everything they have is gone how can you 
justify that. I, in my mind, I can't justify breaking into someone's shop and stealing their equipment. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but most of the people who did that weren't actually like part of the movement. They were just they just saw the opportunity and they did it. Yeah, so well, we associate them as part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Well, we well, shouldn't. We shouldn't. That's just the media, you know, playing tricks on you and just just giving you. They, 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 There's so many videos online where like you can see actual protesters like stopping like like anyone who was trying to loot or like break windows. They were like you could obviously see the disagreement between the two like. It's another situation of minority being louder than the majority. Yes, yeah. and it's, it's, you're right, it does, it causes issues in everything. Um, and the thing, the thing with justifying it, it's not really a justification, but I understand that if you think about a single person who suffers, and he wants to take out all his suffering on a brick wall by punching it, it times that to a community level, and that's what the rioting is. According to the law, it's wrong, but it, history shows us that it's the only way for change to and happen. And according to common sense, though, it's wrong. Like, I mean, like, you, you, it's not right. Well, like, if we it's go, not if, right If we go by go, common sense. Or, like, there's a lot of police officers out there, we've all seen the videos of them kneeling with... Yeah. The people protesting and supporting them and making speeches with them and showing them that not all police are bad, but then when you go against them and you do something that is wrong, it's outright wrong, if they fight back, it, it makes sense. It's their job. That's fine. Yeah, but that's not like... That's not really what's that's been not happening. Really happening. It depends on what you see. Because like, there's so many cases of them literally just standing there and protesting protesting and just literally do nothing else except chant and then the police just start throwing tear gas at them. The 70, we saw that but they're like the 70 year old man all we see in that video is a man a white old man and a police officer pushing him over you don't see what's behind the white man you don't see why the police are moving up you don't know what's coming that shouldn't matter but it, it really shouldn't he's in the way and he's not moving back so, so you just throw, push no him to the I floor. don't agree with him pushing to, pushing him to the floor but Arresting him, I feel like they had to do it. That's fine. Arrest yeah, you him. can detain I, yeah, him. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's a 70 year old man though. Absolutely. You just literally turn him around and handcuff him. Like, you don't need to push him to the floor. He hits his head fine. Maybe you, you pushed him too hard by accident. He's hit his head on the floor. He's literally bleeding. You don't just then step over him and c carry on. And the police also tried to cover up that story by saying he tripped. And the thing is, what happened with that is that eventually they did suspend the two, the two officers involved in that. They suspended them. And then because they suspended them, the other 57 police officers in the unit or whatever, uh, they all decided to like quit that unit because they suspended them. In protest of the outcome, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you think they were acting out of fear though, going back to the training? It's definitely you, a, comp, com, how a can compilation. You, how can you fear a 70-year-old? You fear what's behind him. Was, you don't know what we don't know what was behind. Yeah, them. and they should isolate what's I think the immediate threat. They, they had so shields, they had helmets. There were fifty of them, and only one white man. How in that situation? How can you be scared? You're not scared of the white man. You're scared of what's coming. That's what I'm saying. If you were, you were standing as a police officer behind, let's say theoretically, because we don't know what was behind the white man, was a bunch of people who aren't going to peacefully protest. But you see them. Holding bricks, holding broken bottles, you don't know what they're holding. That 
is gonna make you scared. Yeah, but you just you're so you don't know. No one knows how you're gonna react in that situation. Like now we say, oh, I detain him, but that moment in time, you don't know what you're gonna ha do unless you're in it. And that's that's why I think the big problem is the training. Like I no, genuinely I, think I that agree with that. that. I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I definitely think it's a combination of a bunch of things that along the way contribute to this system just absolutely falling apart. This that I found was in two thousand and I think sixteen. Uh, 509 people were shot and killed and 24% of them black. And on average... A quarter. And on, and, and on average, that year, the ratio from, from white to blacks was, was 2.5 times greater for blacks, where, where they were detained and... And that, that's an example of this, this idea. Like one, of the big, one of the big things Black Lives Matter wants to, to get across and, and protest is this notion I think, you know, what you're talking about is driven by combination of bad training, like Steve said, you know, the police having too much power that comes from uh, too much funding, like Harry said. And if they have so much funding, it's clearly not being, you know, directed in, in the right, right place. Why are, you, why are you not directing it to a better, you know, system for vetting these people? Yeah, that's, that's, Proper that's, training. That's what I mean. You don't need to spend on so much military equipment when you can just spend it on the training and their wages because they should be paid more because it is a hard job and there is a lot of risk. But you, they should also be that job should also be so much harder to get. Like yeah. only only the best of the best in society should be able to become a police officer. No, so, not just some random prick who got bullied and decided he wanted to take it out on the fucking world. Not like anyone who just decides one day, yeah, you know what, I'm going to be a cop. It shouldn't be like that. It should be really hard to get that job and you should be trained like thoroughly for it. Yeah. But you should also be paid more. And instead of, like I said again, instead of using that money for militarized equipment, they should use it on their wages. Definitely. There was a video, Steve, of two cops arresting a, a black man. And well, as soon as they put the handcuffs on him, he, was, he told them, Put your hands in my back pocket. And they pulled out an FBI badge. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Things like that are unbelievable. And the fact that they exist is a, is a tragedy. And, you know, it, it, it's like systemic racism, I just want to touch on this. Um, there's this thing that politicians do called redlining which is something they do when they, when you're in politics, the areas where people can vote, the areas where people live, districts, counties, things like that, they draw them, they draw a red line around the ones that they deem to be undesirable. And these undesirable areas usually tend to have a disproportionate amount of ethnic minorities and people who are low income. And the problem with things like that, which if you think about it, what is the reason for doing something like this? Because it results in things like loans and funding for these areas being denied by insurance companies because they are redlined areas. 
And I'm not just spouting this, there was a study done. A study found that banks were more willing to loan to white families that earned less than black families who earned more. Fucking hell. It was a, a study carried out in 2017 by the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago that showed that redlining still affects minorities today. This shit was imposed very, very heavily in the 60s. Back when, before Martin Luther King, you know, and the civil rights movement and the civil rights act, all that was pushed. Because even, you know, back then people were fucked in the head and it showed in government. And these, these measures are still being used today. And this is, this is something that Black Lives Matter want to shine a light on. Land of the free, not so free. Yeah. Well, that comes back to also like defunding the police because what a lot of what they're like arguing for defunding is that things like social services, like uh, like funding for youth and like housing and uh, and like homelessness and all that is all that the the funding for all that combined is less than like the budget for police and and you and like the argument is that. What, if they spent a little more on this, a little more on the community, a little more on like, like helping people, would there be as much crime? Would there be as much need for police to be this aggressive? I don't think so. I don't think there would be as much crime. You put people in a situation where desperation takes over, that's what leads to crime. I don't think anybody wants to be a criminal. Just like how Steve said earlier, nobody wants to kill people unless they're not right in the head. And these people that aren't right in the head, are a tiny minority. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the environment has a lot to play on it as well. So the likelihood is if you're born in a bad neighborhood, you don't get many opportunities, you're likely to go down a life of crime. You know, it's, it's like, it's just an old story. There's, there's some people that have defied that story and have gone on to get better and better things, but it's just, I don't know, it's weird. Like, how can you fix that? That's a deep root where, where you know, it's not just one solution. It's got to be a combination of different solutions in order to fix that. I think these solutions come from discussion, and I think education. Right? You teach. If you could teach a blind man to read using Braille, you could teach a human being to look at a person with darker skin as somebody equal to themselves. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't help when, like, the president is racist and he's tweeting, basically, uh, police need to be stricter and harder on people during protests. Like, the, the protests are literally about abuse of power from police, and he's tweeting, oh, uh, police need to uh, be more, like, hard now and they need to be tougher. Yeah, it's like, you know, the, the, the riots or the protests are, are on police brutality and then their solution for that is police brutality. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I understand sometimes, you know, you have to act on it and you have to be a bit more violent in order to, to, to get a crowd that is riled up to calm them down. But in the cases I've seen, at least either on YouTube or on any social media, it doesn't come across that way, and it's just the, the police abusing their power. I, f I feel like it's got a lot to do with the way Facebook and Twitter work with their algorithms, though. I 
they're like, not every pro. There's protests in fifty states, all fifty states, and in UK and other countries as well. It the only most of the times, I would say ninety percent of the times, they only show us the bad stuff. Yeah, because yeah, that's what sells. They don't no. show us what all of the other protests. We don't know how many protests out there. We had the police are fighting people or just being wrong in a sense. Like there might be a, a majority of the cases, the police might be good. Yeah, yeah but that isn't. We the don't see that. Though. It isn't though. Like you can, you can clearly see it's not the majority because most of the protests that have happened. They used like the like, the, like there was clear like evidence that they just don't they don't care for for like pro, the protesters and they don't doesn't matter what happens to them, just a chance for them to use their power. And then you have situations like things being blown out of proportion, like the statues or. The statue situation in England, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, who really gives a shit about statues? I guess part of history, but they're also... Like, you, you've got other ways of showing history. You don't need to have a statue of someone who was who did so many wrong things. I, I disagree. I disagree. I, I like the fact that we make statues for people. I like the fact that there stands in that one place history. Yeah, and even if it's bad, I feel like we need to learn from that. I don't agree with the getting rid of statues or chucking them away. And I want to bring this to Cyprus, okay? In Cyprus, Eoga was to drive out the English, yeah? Exploiting people is bad. I feel, feel in a sense that these people were Americans and exploiting people was helping to benefit their country. Like, they didn't know any better. But we should change the idea behind these people and say, these people, they did wrong. We're learning as we go on. Yeah, Keep the statue there and label them. Yeah, I'd Slave owner. Yeah. Slave owner. And show that today we're learning. Keep it as a historical thing that happened. We shouldn't forget our history, even if it's bad. I disagree. I think those statues shouldn't be there because a statue basically glorifies that person. Not necessarily. I think you can move the statue and put him in a museum. Then that changes the setting. Because in the museum, you can see all the history there. But having him in a park, standing there, just for me, just like the reason they were put there in the first place is because they were glorified. That They were put as like you know, icons, that's why they had a statue of them in the first place back then. That's why now they shouldn't be there because they're not, they're not like the good people that people used to think they were when they were put up. That's why I think like, yeah, you can like take them down. I'm not saying you should forget the history though. You can move it to a different setting that's more appropriate than having it like a, as a statue somewhere in public. It's funny that you mentioned the Oka because Eoka was... I think you should explain exactly what Eoka is. Say like facts of it. Yeah, because I don't know a whole lot about him. I'd like to know. All four of us live in Cyprus. We live in the southern legal Greek Cypriot part of the island. Uh, the country by itself is 60 years old. Founded in 1960, officially. 
prior to 1960, the, the island was occupied by the English, and before that, by the Ottomans, and before that, Italian. you name it, they were Venetians. Yeah, you name it. Fast. Yeah, everyone's. Cyprus is, is an island that has a very, very blotted past. It's the location. Yeah, we've got really good geographical location. It's the location. Everyone wanted Cyprus. Yeah. Everyone wanted Cyprus, yes, because there was a lot of benefits that you could find on this island. In 1955, there was an uprising uh, led by a man called Yorgos Grivalienis, where the, a lot uh, of young men rose up and started using guerrilla tactics against the then uh, British soldiers who were occupying the island. Some of the best guerrilla warfare the world has ever seen. Yes. And after a, a period of four painful years, the war ended with Greece, Turkey and England signing off on a treaty that made Cyprus its own independent island. So, EOKA, the first iteration, is regarded as a struggle that led to Cypriot independence and is celebrated here on April 1st due to... That was the day it was officially declared independent. Yes. April 4th. And for 14 years, 14, right? For 14 years, Cyprus was... Independent. Independent. With a lot whole, of issues. With a lot of issues. <laughs> but we were independent. Now, the reason I'm bringing up Elka, Steve, is because you're right, those people were seen as terrorists, but they had no choice but to break the law to force change. Why is that any different to people rioting? Hmm. You've got a good point. It's just. And I guess driving. The thing with the statues, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, one other thing. You don't see. Would you. Would you if you were German, use that same reasoning to put up a statue of Hitler and say this guy... All the statues of Hitler were taken down. Does it, we, don't, we haven't forgotten about Hitler. It's just that that guy does people not deserve taught, to be. Though, about Hitler. That's all like people actually being taught properly about. That's again well, that's what it goes back to say. Exactly. He, says, he says, you know, education should be changed. I don't know, it should be updated, I guess. Don't leave out the, the, the shit things we did in the past. That's because, uh, like, in America, they only have one month based on, I guess, like, history. Putting the statues in a museum makes more sense to me. Like, I agree a lot more with that than taking them down. Yeah, but... I, I really disagree with getting rid of history, because history teaches us. History is... Yeah, but you can't get rid of history. No one's saying no one, get rid of like, history. Like, if you take down a statue, no matter if you throw it in a river, if you burn it, if you get a, uh, if you get a bulldozer and bulldozer down, but history no one, will still be history. But no one will come that when they pass by a statue and say, this was here, this guy did this. That's yeah. why I feel like it should be somewhere. Yeah, that, like, This okay. person should be yeah. somewhere. Yeah, it should. Yeah. It's not, not just a in a book. Maybe, a museum. That's why I feel like a museum. A museum makes more sense. Yeah, I, it should, I agree. It should be put into museums. There we go. We resolved the problem. Get all the statues in the museum. Yeah. Fix. And and for for cases like people like Churchill, we learnt about Churchill in history, but we were never taught the fucking horrific shit he did in India. 
But I didn't know about. I didn't. I know still about don't really know much yeah, about. Yeah, I didn't know until you told me about. Yeah, same. And the fact that you know, that is very conveniently left out. We did the English syllabus. The fact that's very conveniently left out. Well, it's conveniently left out because it's hard to say you're one of your greatest prime ministers because he was he was a great wartime prime minister. Yeah, there's did, no dispute. He, he did that. like. He did a lot to help World War Two. Yeah, and it's to be fair, you know, that, that syllabus was on World War Two, so you'd focus on Churchill during that war time. You wouldn't say, okay, let's look at Churchill and let's see what he did before that. You wouldn't go to Hitler and say, okay, what did he do before that? It was just at that period we were learning about World War Two. I mean, actually, you do, though. We, we were taught from how Hitler grew up from, like... 1919? No, like, literally from his start, from birth to how he got there. That's what you're taught there. Like that, how he was like living yeah, his grandparents. I, I, even though we were doing that shit. Yeah, even though we were doing World War Two, like I still think like, you know, and I, I swear I can remember a paragraph on Winston Churchill, and it spoke about his his policies in the thirties, um, before World War Two. I remember he was part of the Conservative Party. Um, I think he was. I can't remember if he supported the initial welfare bill that founded the NHS. Um, he would have been around then. We don't know if he supported that or not. You know, if you're going to take someone like Churchill and place him on a pedestal for something which he absolutely deserves to be, we should also know, we should also have the right to know, I'll talk about him, we should also have the right to know of the shit things he did. Mahatma Gandhi is another person that people, and it also goes, goes it also, this... This issue also involves, I think, the biases we have of looking at things that support our point of view. Preach. Mahatma Gandhi. If people want to say he was racist because he hated black people, or somebody wants to sit, turn around and vehemently disagree with him because he was a peace-loving protester who literally founded India, you have these two things, and a lot of people either side with one or the other, depending on what suits their point of view. Whereas in reality, when Mahatma Gandhi was young, he was really racist towards black people. Very racist. I feel like... But it, later important. in his life, he changed views. I feel like it's important. I feel like people need to know this. I agree. Actually, That's what I'm saying. I, I didn't they know they that. need to know that someone who portrayed peace wasn't initially peaceful. And he learned. Yeah. He was smart enough to understand what I'm doing is wrong. I think that's... I think a lot Everyone of people nowadays are just idiots. Yeah. They can't think for themselves. Uh, they they, yeah, they, they need they, someone to influence them because they have no point of view. And sometimes they think that their own opinions, whether it's factually correct or not, is better than someone else's. And sometimes it's as strong as, as you know, my opinion Some kind, sometimes can be said, you know, what I, they say in such a way that it's, it's as if it's a fact, but that's, that's not what it is, it's your opinion. And that really fucks me off, and what fucks me off about that is on Twitter, people go rant, and they go on fucking rant, and they say, you know, it's like this, I believe this, but no. Yeah, you believe it, doesn't mean it's correct. Yeah. That's, that fucks me off sometimes. I think in the situation for like statues and like things like Churchill, where there's like such a big like split of people, of like decision, I think that's where you just have a vote. Have a vote, like, people in that town want to take it down or not, move it somewhere else, maybe put it in a museum where you can 
like have more than just a little plaque that says this was Winston Churchill. You can have the whole history of him. I think that's what you do. You have a vote, and that just solves the issue of do we take the statues down? Like in Hawaii, there was this massive issue of they were gonna because Hawaii has this like really great mountain that's um, perfect for putting a telescope and telescopes have to be fucking huge because obviously you need as much light as possible so you can see as far as possible and people on the island had the big problem with it because they said the mountain was sacred and so they were like this was going to be the biggest telescope in the world and it was going to like help astronomers like push that boundary to the next thing but it was going to be planted on sacred ground which and the problem was like the native people were like they they there was a split between them whether they should have it or not and they had and they were going to have a vote i can't remember if if it's the vote happened or what the outcome was but like it's just it's as simple as that for cypriots those men who fought are considered heroes they're heroes for us for the english they're considered terrorists there's always two sides to a story People were, this is more blatant that the peop, a lot of those people like weren't like good people, they did bad things. But that statue there should show change. It should show that back in the day, people were wrong. They didn't know any better. Yeah, that's we learned from it. They weren't put there in the first place. That's why it... Our mentalities change. Okay, I, I agree with that, but then they should label that statue not, you know, you know, as, as a hero, as a, as, a, as a sign of, you know, something to someone to look up to. You should label him as a bigot, as a racist. As a slave trader. I wouldn't call them... That's what they were, though. They were in today's society. In their society, they didn't know any better. They were wrong, but they didn't know that. That doesn't matter. They weren't smart enough in my head to, like... I don't feel they were smart enough to say, you know, I think we should start looking into what should happen now and what changes should occur to cause the change to make it permanent and not be just a part of time where there were some yeah, riots so by forget. some people and that people forgot about yeah. no actual meaning behind it because it's, it's deeper than just people writing and protesting and need, change needs to occur but it's just how can change occur and where it should occur that I think um, should, we should figure out I, I have two ideas before, before you get there sorry to interrupt it's just that my biggest fear out of all this is that George Floyd will become some, someone like you know Ahmed uh, Arbery or an Eric Garner, or a Philando Castile, or a Freddie Gray. He'll just be a name that we'll later on forget. Do you know what I mean? That's my biggest fear. I feel like now, there's been a lot of light shone on this, on this incident. But I just, it, it scares me. It scares me to, say, to think and say this, but, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't think change will happen. It's just that, you know, countless times before people have said, you know, it's time for change, it's time for change, and no nothing happens. It, it just goes back to the same old, you know, people people go back to their lives and then they just don't give a shit about anyone else but themselves. And, and humans do that. As, as much as you think someone is a good person, 
Like human beings only give a shit about themselves. I think we should focus though on George Floyd. I feel like he should be the turning point. He's the trigger. Yeah, he's the trigger. But it's not about him. It's about the bigger picture. Mm. Yeah, I think think Aaron Aaron is saying, you know, let's... uh, It's not just down the line. Even if George Floyd you know, temporarily fades as the, you know, the main point of discussion, if real change is made, then he will never be forgotten. Yeah, he should stand for something, not just, like, we shouldn't name stuff after him because he was one of the many. I feel like... I agree with that. He should be the starting, like, not even the starting, they started a long time ago, he should be... The end, the finishing. Yeah, he should be the end, actually. He should be the reason why change happened. And get it over with and come to some sort of conclusion. Which, I don't actually see this, like, solving the problem. I think this will better the problem. It's not going to solve it. I feel feel like too many (laughs) people out there just... Not not in this generation, but hopefully this this will... This will give the incentive to, to the younger generation to get educated like like we have for this podcast because I did some research I found that you know just to just to open their mind and not not be so close-minded you know it's like he said this education I think is a big part whether whether it's done you know in school like in a curriculum or it's you know I sit down by myself and I learn something yeah I think that's I think that's massive because obviously racism isn't isn't like you're not born with it it's taught and the way you end racism is when like you have racist parents and they try to bring that to the child but that child breaks away from that and he realizes by himself that you know what you're saying is shit like racism shouldn't exist i feel like for our parents there was a lot of racism in their generation and they uh they've seen a lot of things that we haven't they've understood and they've taught us that it's wrong but I still feel like, in a sense, they're still a bit racist, yeah. unintentionally. It's unconsciously. Like, they don't want to be racist, but they are. But in our generation, as us, we're 20-year-olds, we see that our parents aren't always right. Yeah. yeah. That's very And important. we have our own opinion. Why? Because we were educated to have our own opinion. They were, we were always given the chance. Yeah, education, there is... I agree, it's, it's books. exceptionally important and that would be one of my ideas. Just learn more, be more open-minded. Don't always listen to your parents. History is always uh, written by the winning side. That's Sometimes true. Sometimes you need to uh, see the losing side's effort or battle yeah. to truly understand what was going on. I, I, when I was doing my research, I came across a story by uh, Frederick Doug- Frederick Douglass but what I came across was some was a story he put he was a slave and he escaped from slavery and so this is this was before slavery was outlawed and while I was reading his story back then he was afraid to write about it because aiding and abetting the escape of a, of a slave was under the law legally deemed to be equal to murder. Seriously? So he was very afraid to you know, say the names of these people. 
And um, the, the way he escaped was very interesting. Basically, he used identity fraud. So they had, back then, three black men were required to fill out papers that had their age, their color, their height, their whatever. And so whenever a black man was, was uh, stopped, they could, in, they could impersonate each other. And the way this worked is one person would give his three papers to a slave. And the slave would escape and pretend to be the person that this paper said. And if the police didn't look at it close enough, they could escape from slavery. Smart. And it was really risky for the person who gave their papers to the yeah. slave and to the slave himself. Frederick Douglass, he did this. He was a slave in Maryland and he took trains. He, he pretended to be a sailor and he took a couple of trains to get to New York. And from New York, he was taken to Massachusetts. And you know, even, even when he got to New York, he was told to be very careful who to trust because there were black men paid to look for runaway slaves and they would do it. And when he realized, when he went to Massachusetts and he got his first two dollars, the realization of freedom and what came with it, um, constantly being, constantly realizing that he was free when he got that money and he realized this is mine, I don't have to give it to anybody else. When he got his first job, he was given a salary that was his, when he could get married. When I was reading about this stuff and how, how it impacted him, he wrote down, there are no words to describe something like that. And I don't know, just, just reading it gave me goosebumps. I think we should start ending it on a good note. But before we do that, I just, you know, as much as we, as much as we, you know, shit on racists, I've got to give them one thing. It's the fact that, so, so whenever I look in the mirror, I always pick out a flaw in myself, whether it be my hair that day, whether I'm overweight, which I am overweight, you know, any little thing, any little detail, I just pick out and I say, you know, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, today I'm not feeling myself. But I don't think racists do that, because they wake up, they go in the mirror, and they think they're perfect, and they look at us and say, I'm, I'm quiet. I just love their confidence, you know what I mean? I wish I had a bit of their confidence, that's all. And their confidence because they're idiots. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, not, it's nothing that you should Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, they're just ignorant. It's, it's just because I'm so fucking smart, right? I feel like... We're not even being serious right now. Just because I feel like I'm so smart, it's just like, you know, it'll be, do you know what it'll be, it'll be amazing, right? Just to live life one day, being a fucking idiot, just to see how they live their life. You know? See how the other side lives. Yeah, see how the other side lives. I'm bad that not Worry-free, really they couldn't give a shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's been a, been a rough couple of weeks for me, but yeah. Well, you started a podcast. Harry? I mean, I think we're pretty much done here. And Thank you for listening. <laughs> Whoever's listening, and if you're, if you're us time. from 10 years from no, now... No one's listening. If you're us from 10 years from now, Harry's got a message for you. Go yeah, fuck boy. yourself. If I'm not rich, <laughs> in 10 years, I swear to God, I'm not the shit out of myself. If I'm not, um, I better be driving some Lamborghini right now. I'm, not right, that's a good I'm so happy we've got that on record. That's a good note. So in 10 years, Donna, what do you see yourself? Hopefully I've got a job that I'm happy with. Saving the planet. Saving the planet? Fuck the planet. I don't even <laughs> care. 
Yeah, I'm he, not he's earning. an environmentalist, though. Fuck the environmentalists, okay? I'm not... I'll donate. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll donate just to save from taxes. But I am driving the most petrol-sucking <laughs> car out there. Not giving a shit about no trees, none of that crap. Living in Manhattan, rich as fuck. You get a two bedroom on it so I can come here. I'll get like four bedroom if I can. I swear, I'm in Manhattan. <laughs> Where I swear to God, I better see those lights every night and be like, oh, it's too bright to go to sleep. I don't even care. I don't know. I, that's the life I want. I don't know why you don't want to save the earth and shit like that. Can't be saved. Steve, Steve, again, as he said at the beginning, deep down, he cares. I'm a nice guy, I just... Not when you give him a I want to be rich. <laughs> you want to do it 10 years, Harry. Uh, You're the tough one here. I just want to be happy. I don't give a shit what I'm doing. It doesn't matter to me. John Lennon said that when he, went, he was asked when he was, in, when he was in school, what do you want to be when you're older? And he said happy. That's what I want to do. Yeah, but he died, didn't he? Yeah, I'd rather be happy he with money. He died happy, though. With money, though. Yeah, but what if you're sad with money? Ah. Thank you for listening. It's been fun. It's been four dudes just chatting. <laughs> See you next week. Stop it. We were parking next to Finigudes, okay, to meet you guys and Chicho for, for dinner in TGR Friday. Oh, I remember that day, yeah. I remember thinking, he's just touched that car. He's just touched that car and he doesn't give a shit. And I was like, I was like, oh, are you sure you can fit into that space? Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, he's just touched the car. Uh, he's just touched the side, the side of the car. He probably still left it there as well, even after like pushing a car out the way. Oh yeah, no, he just left it. And I was like, fuck, I'm out of that car. <laughs> I like how you do it with everyone. Stop it, you're waffling, you're all waffling, you're chatting shit. We're not chatting We're shit. We're not chatting shit. We're, We're just not... saying our experiences. He's coming to my house and I'm the on the turn. That's a dodgy turn. It's it's the dodgy first turn. time I ever took that turn. That sounds fucked up. That's a dodgy turn. A drip says stuff. No. I only take it once. Aaron, Aaron, drip says. I take it every day. You take it every day! Even the first time, the second time, and the third time, I've taken it. Didn't make a difference. And you stop and you back up and you try again. I was, I was already like, the only reason I didn't do that is because it was at the back of my car and I might as well keep going. I remember what, what was it? We were in, you know that big parking, Finney this but behind Stefani, where mm -hmm. yeah, I got it, yeah. MTN is. Oh yeah. When you come down, they pushed a couple cars there as well, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, we were together that day. No. Yeah, we were together that day. What's you could tell me about the bumper. Okay, fine. Like I took out the bumper. Then you pushed the car to park that day. <laughs> Finished. George did it as well when um, when we went to Lefkosia. Oh yeah. He pushed the car. Yeah. Back. When we went for Wagamama's, right? Yeah. I remember that. He's... At least he moved his car after. He didn't leave it there. I did he leave it there. I think he. No, I think he left it in the same parking spot. I'm being attacked right now.
Whether it's yours or other people's. I think it's because of the illness that I am pessimistic. Mm. Because both of my grandparents got cancer, both lung cancer. And I never really had a, a male role model, like a father figure growing up. And it all, was always them. So for, for me to lose two grandparents in the space of five years from the same illness, I think that really played a role in me being pessimistic. And I, I generally pessimistic in like a comedic context. context. Mm -hmm. So I, I like I make jokes. Some some of them dark. Some of them a bit you know. Yeah, yeah. But there is the yeah sure. But there's always like an underlying, you know, truth in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I guess it's just who I am. I'm I'm always that person that sort of when there's a hurdle, instead of trying to overcome it, I'm like, choose the easy path and just give up. Knock it down. Yeah. I don't knock it down, so no, I'm going to go another way. Turn around. Mm. You used to be like that, I don't think you're like that anymore. I think I have We've spoken about this. Yeah, I have changed, but, yeah. And um, for my for my second grandfather who got it, he, I was there when he passed away, and he had lung cancer. So he was, he was struggling for the, I think, the last three days when he was living, he was always on an oxygen mask. And the nurse called us and they're like, we think this is it within the next hour, he's gone. So they took off uh, the mask and like, the image is never going to leave my brain, like the, the whole thing. It's just him just gasping for air for like 20 minutes. And then finally you just see his chest stop moving and then that's it. It's, it's one of those things where... Okay, yes, they were both smokers, heavy smokers, so you kind of, not expect it, but, you know, you, you can't really be like, oh, why did it happen to him? Even though, like, it was from his own, you know, he was a person that, right, I'm going to have a whole packet today, I'm going to have two packets today. So, I can't really blame anyone, but then, but I still feel like it's unfair for someone so good to be taken from this world. It's hard when you go through it when you're younger as well. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I felt the same way when like, my, my grandpa was going through the same thing. Like, I remember you came and told me that your, your grandpa got cancer, and then like five days later, I found out my one had cancer. And uh, I, when, when my one's on his uh, deathbed, I was at home and I was. Um, I was just like exercising because I didn't know what to do. I was just like trying to put out my like energy into something. So I was just exercising, like kicking a ball around for like two hours straight, like just kicking a football on a wall. And uh, they called me and they were like, this is it. This is like his last like, hour or so and he's gonna probably go. And I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna see him because uh, I had already saw how he was and he was bad and I just, I just didn't, I couldn't handle seeing my grandpa like that. So I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be there when he's, 
like on the last like half an hour so I just don't want I just don't want to be a part of that and I went after he passed away and saw him just lying there yeah well, those images never leave your head mm -hmm. I remember mine my mine that mine died from a stroke and the day it happened I can't remember where I was or what I was doing but for me because he he'd been in I remember that um, the story. He'd been bedridden for a year, and it was always the the what I'd been told was he had an initially had a massive stroke, and then after that, when they when he was hospitalised, he had on several occasions mini strokes. Mm -hmm. So throughout the following year, again I can't remember what my mentality was, but I would. I would just wait for news and and um, at some point he was moved into a house over there uh, not far from here and uh, we were just looking after him here and it was even though even though there was a subtle um, no I'll, I'll phrase it differently there was no it was always it always felt inevitable because of how bad the the first one was and how how little signs there were of recovery. And so I think if I'm honest with myself, there came a point where I was like, it's gonna happen soon. Like he's, he's it's it's done. Like and, and it got to the point where I was feeling bad. I was like, he's not meant to be here anymore. We're just keeping him here. And then I remember I was, I was playing outside, I was there, and somebody told me, go, go to your uncle's house, um, and this is, this is probably, like they gave him his last rites, or however it, however it is, like they brought a priest, and uh, they gave him his last rites, and I went, and I remember, I remember seeing, all I remember seeing is just, um, after like after he passed i remember seeing his body and you know you never forget you never forget what that looks like and they gave me um everybody got went up to him and gave him a kiss and we left and they gave me his cross and um and that's all i remember and it was it was it was surreal just well, no, knowing that this had happened huh that's a bit I was I was 13 it was July of 2013 so I was 13 going on no I was 13. I was 13 um, and it was just I remember I left I was in a state of shock myself personally and I, I didn't I hadn't I wasn't able to process what was going on it was only when I saw my dad burst into tears where it really hit me mm. and yeah it was De dealing with things like that, I mean, just we, and we're not the ones dealing with it, which is. I think it's for us. It, you think so? Hmm. I think seeing someone you love go through something so hard is definitely. Well, you know, it depends on the person, but I think. There's a my sense mom of like has powerless more, to it. Like yeah, you. I think my mom definitely has more trauma than we experience from me having cancer than me. She can't even watch a TV show that's got anything to do with cancer or hospitals. Jeez. 
I'll do it. Mm. Or if I if an advert for cancer research comes up on the TV, she's got to meet it. I'll change it over. Whereas I've literally threw myself into getting over it. medicine mm. and um, I think the trauma has stayed with my mum more than me, which is why I think that sometimes watching someone you love go through something so hard, it can be more difficult in a sense, in my personal experience. Yeah. One, one thing that I learned from, from this, I didn't learn, it's just, so for my first grandfather, they didn't really operate because they said like from the beginning, you know, stage four, there's nothing we can do, like we could mm -hmm. do chemotherapy, but it's not going to work. We could remove a part of his lung, but it's not going to do anything. So our aim is just to make him as comfortable as possible. So they pump him with morphine mm -hmm. and Anyway, he, he passed, but then for my second grandfather, they were giving me hope. And I kind of wish they didn't do that. Because mm -hmm. cause first started chemotherapy, and then they were coming back and said, oh, it's gone down by this much. I'm like, great, okay. And then two months later, I go back and says, oh, but it's come back. I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do? So we do more extensive, so do radio and chemotherapy. I'm like, okay, it's mm -hmm. fine, great. It shrunk, and then they said, okay, it's shrunk to a point where we feel like if we remove part of the lung, it'd be okay. So I'm like, great, okay. Oh, I remember this. They removed part of the lung, a massive scar in the back. Uh, removed part of the lung, he really struggled with one lung because he was, he was 70 something years old. And he still did all that? Yeah, he still did all that. It was, was that his choice, or? The doctors advised him. And that's, that's what I didn't. And, and my. My grandfather being old-fashioned in the sense that, you know, he's a doctor, you know, he's, he's, he's gone to university, he knows what he's talking about. I respect uh, him and his profession. You know, I'm going to do it. He did that and, and he really struggled with one lung. And even that lung he had, you know, 40 years of smoking wasn't, wasn't that well. So after that, he did scans and it was okay. But then they did a special, I don't know if it's a CAT scan or something, for the bones. Yeah. And they found that it had moved to the bones. Mm. And apparently if it moves to the bones, there's, mm. just, there's nothing you can do. So I had like like a half a year or like a, a year of just like giving me a false hope. And you know, we're doing stuff, we're doing stuff. Unlike my first grandfather. For the results to just be the same. And, and it sort of give, it gave me like a really bad image for hospitals and for doctors and nurses in general. I mean, I shouldn't really do that because each each person is is different in how they examine someone and how they treat someone. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was. I felt like it wasn't easy to blame the doctors. But you know what? I think this proves a point that we were talking about earlier: how the way a doctor acts, and you see them, you as a person, see them act changes your view about the medical professionals in general. Yeah. You know? Which is why I think I was like what I was saying before, it's like if you do something in particular in public and the patient sees that, that changes their perception of that doctor. It's mm -hmm. the same concept with the if you saw doctors treat your granddad not in his 
like I don't think it was in the beneficence of the patient. I don't think it seemed like it was like in the best interests. Um, yeah. And like now you've got a weird, like not a weird view, but like a more of a negative view yeah. about healthcare. Yeah. I think I've I've gotten better, but it's still there. It's like a lingering mm-hmm. thought at the back of my head. And whenever I go to doctors, I've always got that. Okay, he's telling he's telling either me or my mum or someone. Okay, this is the best treatment to go. But then is it really? So then I find myself, you know, yeah. searching online and I'm like, oh, but Google says this. But then, mm-hmm. who the fuck's Google? Where's Google's medical degree? Whereas someone <laughs> who's been in the field of medicine for 20 odd years. Which is why we literally taught from the beginning, the day one of med school, at least at my university, that like patient-doctor relationship is the most important part yeah. of being a doctor. I mean, if you can't trust your doctor, then whatever he tells you is... Is, yeah. I actually had an experience like that in general, like, um, my doctor in Cyprus didn't tell me that there was immunotherapy available for me. Really? Yeah, because it wasn't in his protocol. Even though he knows that I'm a British citizen, he knew that I could go to the UK, he knew that it increases your survival, so I would have like I went from having thirty percent chance of living to forty, which is a lot. Yeah. And he still didn't find it for me. Like he didn't not find it, he knew about it. He just he, didn't, he didn't recommend He just him. didn't care. Just it, like as in he just didn't bother care telling us because his plan was the number one plan. Oh. And my dad found that immunotherapy and confronted him and he said yeah i knew about it oh wow he was unapologetic it's not on my it's not on my protocol oh wow jeez how would you as as somebody you're just starting on this medical 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 path i don't know if if you if you would you would you how would if you could change the system um to in cyprus in cyprus in the system as you know it, in right. ge- like general, like it could be in the UK to prevent things like like breakdown of, of patient doctor relationships or or how how doctors see their patients. Mm. If you could change it, what would you what would you? I think it's all in medical education. So, like me and my cohort of um, of peers in medical school, I think we have a definitely have a different different view. Of looking at patient than maybe a fifty-year-old or sixty-year-old doctor that was that went to med school forty years ago, mm. um, and I think it is changing, and I think there's so many good doctors in Cyprus. It's not that all of them are terrible. I just think that the way they've been taught for outdated. so long has been really outdated and paternalistic, like I said before. Whereas. I think in most medical schools in the world, um, especially in the UK, which, like, I haven't really had that many bad experiences in the UK apart from like timing and the pressure that's put on the NHS causes all those problems to happen, in my opinion. So I don't think it's the doctors themselves, um, but well, not most of the time anyway. But like in Cyprus, I think it's definitely a a case of medical education and doctors not re-educating themselves with protocol 
that has been introduced. Like as a doctor, you say that you've got a lifetime of learning mm. ahead of you. You don't stop just because you finished med school. Like if you're, if you're a not, if you're a, I don't know, gynecologist, and um, the protocol for cyst, like ovarian cysts, probably isn't the same as ovarian cysts five years ago. Like the way that you diagnose it, the way that you find them, what you do when you find like your management and like you've just got to, no matter what you are you've got to keep updated with it and mm. um, so I think in case of your granddad maybe I don't know I'm not, I don't want to assume anything but maybe that doctor didn't keep up to date with it same as my doctor he didn't maybe, keep up to date I mean, with the protocol he didn't advocate maybe. for the government to bring that medication here each doctor could probably learn something new from each patient Thanks. Yeah. individually like your doctor who didn't recommend it to you mm. maybe if he was a good doctor even though he didn't recommend it to you then maybe next time it was in his back of his mind to say actually this is also a possibility for you if you i know for a fact it isn't i'm saying if he was a good doctor he, that's that's what should happen yeah um, yeah definitely uh, patient and like patients teach you so much as a person i kind of have a feeling that you know this doctor, I don't know his name, but working like in the oncology department, very rarely do you have, you have like a very bad success rate, I'm guessing. So, oh, so okay, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? So if the chances are just you getting lung cancer and you sort of beating it, especially if like most of the people in Cyprus are, are old pensioners who've mm -hmm. been smoking their whole lives, it's not like the chances of them beating it is very low. Maybe because he's, he's, he's seen so many people, like he's tried to help, and he's, and he's tried giving them, you know, he's tried his best, but now he's sort of numb to the to the whole thing where he doesn't have feelings with mm -hmm. the patient, that he's just sort of now robotically being, okay, this is what we're gonna do. Statistically, we're gonna, we're gonna attack it with cancer, then we're gonna remove part of the lung, and then attack it with cancer again and there. And that statistically, I don't know if it should be the best yeah. route. Do we think that's the best route? Do I think? Oh. Uh, I don't know the protocol for lung cancer. I don't know what the NHS, like, NICE guidelines recommend. But all I know is that when you're thinking about treating a patient with chemotherapy, you've got to think about their quality of life and whether statistically it will help. So it's subjective as well. It is. You treat every patient differently. Yeah. Like, no person's statistic, like, nobody's a statistic. Yeah, you know? I feel like it that's how it should be. It should be based case by case basis, not on what... As in, obviously, you use evidence-based medicine. So if you see that this immunotherapy that I've got works in um, patients with osteosarcoma between the ages of 26 and of 16 and 26, then you're going to give that to your patient because if you believe it has a benefit to them, you're going to do it. But if statistically you realise that people over the age of 70 getting chemotherapy don't do well in terms of, um, like it doesn't help their cancer and it doesn't help their quality of life, then I think you've just got to pick, like obviously not every 70 year old is the same, yeah. but you've got to do it on a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. 
Should let everyone be given the option? Of course, they should be told all the options available, and that's the part. That's why. That's what a patient-doctor relationship is. You tell them the options that they've got. You and if they ask you what they think is best, you tell them what's best, or what you think would be best for them personally. And then you work from there. If it doesn't seem to be working, the patient's allowed to say. I don't like this, and you try and figure out a new management plan. Yeah, but in reality, does that happen? Depends on depends the doctor. Depends where you are. Yeah, that's true. Depends on the doctor, depends who yeah. you are, depends where you are. I feel like something like an American healthcare system is what makes the most money, not what's better for the patient. Yeah. Whereas the NHS, because it's not privatised, it would be. You see it a lot in Cyprus, though. Yeah, but so like. And that's what I like realized from divide, private. I've seen that they might make you do unnecessary things. Yeah. Yeah. It's not private anymore. No. It was. Um. That's hard because there are good, really good doctors here. I'm not saying that I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying that maybe they'll, I'll do one of these as well. I think like it's hard to start like put everybody into a category, you know, like I think yeah maybe there are some doctors that do that, and maybe some of the doctors in America do that, and that it's very publicized because it's you know controversial. Uh, but I don't think it's as black and white as. No, it's probably down to the individual. Yeah. Do you think the medical system, the medical educational system, does a good job of filtering out people who are unsuited to doing this profession? Because we've devolved into a situation or into a conversation where we have good doctors and bad doctors. Do you think it does a good job of filtering out people so there's as little bad doctors as possible? I don't know what a bad doctor is. Yeah, it's subjective. Yeah, but like, they might be great in school and then just not be good at their job after or something like you. Well, they might go through something personally that affects the way they treat patients, you know, it's all... Or they might be great with one, bad with another. Yeah, that's true. It's also what your definition is of a bad doctor. Some patients may want to be told what to do, like they may want to just be like, just do what you think is best for me. I'm like that with doctors. Yeah, I think I'll probably be tells like me to do this, I'm like, okay, you said do that, I'm going to do that. Mm. What kind of doctor do you want to be, G? What do you mean? Well, what what party or what um what part? Keep saying the word part. What like? What specialization are you looking at, and what what would you like your your patients to think of you as? Like, Pink doctor is a given. I like surgery. Way. Yeah. Definitely, I love anatomy. I know. Sounds weird. Blood. And Blood. Let me read. Blood. <laughs> like dissection and dissecting bodies. <laughs> um, I found it really fascinating, really helpful. I'm a very visual person. I like to see results, not wait for a medication to give them. Okay. Uh, although medications can be great. Like I'm not saying that it's not yeah, this is good just treatment. I'm just saying that uh, personally, like. You want to cut people open. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to help people if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> if 
If that helps people, then yeah, sure. <laughs> slice, uh, slice, slice. And having a fetish as a doctor. Ew. A, a, a fetish for what? Let's no, not like talk having about a fetish for cutting people open. Don't so go was, there. Wasn't that like a Brooklyn Nine Nine episode? You could be, you could have a fetish for cutting people open. I think and it you was. Make something productive out of it. I say, having a surgeon and doing it productively. That cannot go in. Oh, it's going in. <laughs> of course it is. Welcome to not even being serious. Oh, Carol. It's possible. No, everything's possible, right? People nowadays. I don't think. Stereotypically in media. People, the in when when you go to like the cop shows or the medical shows where they have um, where they have morgues and the yeah. people who are dealing with the dead bodies like they, they always they always typecast them as somebody a bit weird with a little like, oh, do you know like what? they bad boys too seen now when we have morgues I am not sure I'm sure that's not true Pretty I don't sure think it's true. true I don't think it's true. But I'm saying it's not outside the realm of possibility well, it's just, it's for just, people to have fetishes. If someone has that sort of fetish, they're usually surprised. a murderer. But what if they have a really like yeah, good moral think, compass? I don't think we can call it a fetish then. They just like what they like. So they like... It's a fetish. Like Georgia, you're not going to say... That is she, a fetish. She likes surgeries. She no, likes surgeries. Does that mean she has a fetish for cutting people? That's different. That's different. She doesn't get pleasure from the actual cutting up of a person. Uh, do you? <laughs> See, like, you can't call it a fetish. It's not, a fetish is a sexual attraction to something yeah. very specific. Yeah. Yeah. Sexual attraction is not equal to pleasure. <laughs> ah, not the, get lawyered. I mean, like pleasure. what do you mean, I mean? <laughs> no, you don't mean. Like, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Pleasure is different. Yes. Than, <laughs> I'm talking about. It's not or like a it's a pleasure to have okay, a nice. Okay, what about a sexual pleasure then? A how you were, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's piqued your interest. Yes. Um, with Basi Stars. Um, huh? With Basi Stars. <laughs> is that like four things you know from German? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. German. yeah. 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 Wisely. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, medical technology is any sort of technology that um, assists in like medical professions. So even stethoscope is medical technology. Oh. Um, AI is medical technology, obviously. Three D printing can be medical technology. What kind of AI? AI. Can you? So like. like uh, robots. Robots. <laughs> like robots. Robots cutting you open. Now. Like, you know, no John's banging his head. No, like, <laughs> I can't think of an like as in I don't know a robot trying to uh, diagnose you with something based on your symptoms. Oh, so it's an actual robot. Well, not it's a computer, or a computer, a computer system. Oh, and it's not just necessarily. Like I'm saying robot because it seems a lot more obvious. Mm. Uh, but so there's like complex algorithms. But there's also robots in like medical technology that are robot robotics involved. Uh, like there's a machine called the Da Vinci machine. It's a robot with uh, little probes, and you control it from an outsider's point, and you control the robot and what it does. Um, and it's essentially just allows for like minimally invasive surgery. Anyway, there's lots of there's lo the list of things to do with medical technology is endless. Like, you know, it can be anything, even an inhaler. 
from. Um, yeah, I find it really interesting because I did uh, a few like extra projects. Like you choose what you want to talk about. And in the first year, I did like a treatment for brain cancer, and uh, and then in second year, I did three D bioprinting, which is when you print cells like stem cells and then you give them growth factors and they grow into I say grow not the right word they change into cells you want them to change into we did that in biology yeah stem cells so um like they subsect they've successfully done skin well nearly but like they've made pieces of skin from, from stem cells, cells. Ste stem cells that you get from fat in your in your like tummy area. You want to the They've changed them. Anyway, but I, that's off on a tangent. But like, yeah, that got me interested, and now I'm um, on the committee for the Medical Technology Society oh, cool. at university, and I learned to code. You need to battle failed, but <laughs> hmm? battle failed. Gumbado failed, but you know what? I still always went back to it, you know? <laughs> Gumbado died so medtech could walk. Uh, I think that's a good way to end it. It's like an hour and a half, isn't it? Don't I know, there. it's so long. Well, it's a banging podcast, so it what is. do you want? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a good place. Alright. No. Wait, uh, no, hang on, I can't be like, oh yeah, med tech. Uh, so, what about colonoscopies? Wow. <laughs> why? I don't know, that's med tech. Just taking a camera. Yeah, it is, but like, why is colonoscopies? To that? Have you got any specific interest? Or? Um, not uh, fetish. Personally. Not personally. Uh, yeah. Just, just spiritually. Just spiritually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, medicine is cool. Cancer made me a better doctor. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, go on. What are you going to say? It's banging up. Love medicine. Medicine's made, like, having cancer has made me a better doctor. Uh, seen it through, seen healthcare through the eyes of a patient. And now through the eyes of someone on the other side. Um, and uh, I think... It's made me deal with things differently than someone else might deal with it. Made me a lot more sympathetic. They made me think of each patient as an individual, not just someone in front of me and a set of symptoms. And I think everybody deals with things differently. There we go. Thank you for listening. No one's <laughs> listening. No one's listening. My mum's listening. I'm listening to this in 10 years. Hi, Fia. <laughs> there you go thanks for coming G yeah, we appreciate you heroic behaviours everybody want to add anything else I feel else? like it was like a like a biography more than a discussion but you know it was <laughs> interesting I learned things next time we have a discussion you want to next time you're free and we'll have a discussion about feminism whenever oh god don't get me can we bring her on for like Trans. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't think they're real. Trans. No, no, no. Fats. Trans. No, trans. No, 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 no. I said, uh, this is different, okay? I understand. Normal. 
Okay, let's end this here. My set Goodbye. My set On that note, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna plead the fifth. This is not even being serious. Goodbye. Goodbye.